This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there, I'm Nick Frost, and you're watching Geekscape.net. Hey, what's up, Geekscapists? Welcome to episode 203 of Geekscape, your wow. favorite movies, video games, and comic book podcast. That, should we just reset the numbering like we're a comic book? That you know, People may see the 203 and be like, I can't start Why this comic book Why don't you just have a, like, a Secret Origins episode where you start again? You have like a zero episode. Yeah, and then a you, number zero episode. Then you redefine yourself <laughs> in a way that's more entertaining. <laughs> I, I'm sorry to interrupt already, but your microphone is just completely... Oh, it's... it's like, hey, Sean, how do you sound on my microphone? Pretty good. Um, so, let, let me read jigger this you'd think that in 203 episodes we could get the mic a little better why don't you put it over on that side and it'll point yeah naturally. let, let me mouse. figure this out you hook it up we test it and then it turns how's that how's that because it's, it's uh, better evil um you'd think that we'd have our crap together 203 episodes in if this is your first episode though you know that uh let me tell you we're the movies video games and comic book news and review podcast where every week we like to get a guest and talk about those subjects uh, Sean Collin has been on the show before He is yeah. a Canadian comedian And I say Canadian because um, Well, for no reason really uh, Just to let you guys know Our Canadian viewers loved the fact that we had Sean on the show last time I don't time. get it They literally wrote, one of them wrote uh, I believe it was Fushna Wrote, I know you had Sean Cullen on the show I didn't know it was the Sean Cullen The Sean yeah, which, which makes me think well, there's, there's like a Highlander one. type yeah, situation yeah, it's, it's where it's you one. killing Sean Cullens to be the only one. <laughs> well, there is. I've been, uh, I spent. I ate my first Sean Cullen when I was seven, uh, <laughs> and uh, for, since then it's been a constant battle to maintain my identity while others try and steal it through uh, combat. Uh, you were on the show last uh, time, and you were promoting your book uh, Hamish X and the Cheese Pirates, yes. and also your comedy album Sean Cullen Live, and this one that I, I love. I love the I love Sean Cullen Live, but the production quality of Sean Cullen's I Am a Human Man mm-hmm. is awesome. Well, I, my idea was the first one's just a live album, that right? I off the, off the floor. Still funny. He's got this China. <laughs> he does Chinese versions of country songs. He does. Country songs about China. Yeah. In, in, as a Chinese man, for China. Yeah, I can't remember it right now. Well, uh, the rice. Uh, bring me my rice, you. Uh, bring me my rice, you bitch. Is that <laughs> there's a, there's one where the only lyric is. Bring me my rice, you bitch. Yeah, that's good. And then uh, the, what's cool about your album, and I, I really think uh, every single person listening to this show should go out and uh, find it on iTunes or find a hard copy of I'm a Human Man. Uh, it starts out, it, it's such a storybook. 
Yeah. And as you can tell from this show, Sean's got such a warm, really nice voice. And he just tells you a story uh, as if you've never met a human being before. Let me tell you about the process of living as a human being from birth mm-hmm. to death and, and regeneration. Yeah. And it starts so warmly. <laughs> like... Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, I could play you guys the first track, but it would elongate their show. I mean, I would just want to play you guys the whole CD. Take my word for it. Go find I Am a Human Man. Well, what's disappointing on iTunes is that they make me make each thing a separate track, so yeah. the intros are just spoken. And but the whole CD should just be listened yeah, through. Have to, it's a, it's a, it's a story. It's a concept. And about every other track is a song, and you start with birth. And you're you're thinking, you know, you have the scenario of maybe uh, in the future after a post-apocalyptic whatever, you're definitely listening to this CD. If you're listening to this track, you're either a human before the apocalypse or a post-apocalyptic mutant rat (laughs) who has somehow evolved to the point of learning how to play a CD and some of our technology. You're at least that far. You found the CD. Let me tell you about what it's like. Being what, what humanity was like, uh-huh. and, uh, and the first it, thing is about raising a baby boy. Well, my baby boy. That's where you have to a start. A child needs uh, guidance, and you know it's a huge responsibility. So this song uh, is called "You're Just a Child," and it starts off with a baby crying, and then, the, and I say, "There's a lot, um, you're just a child, a tiny baby. It's a big old world out there. It can drive a person crazy, but I'm your daddy. I'm going to hold your hand." I'll teach you some things so you'll understand. Gonna treat the pretty ladies right. Gotta make them scream all night. Anyway, it's a little kind of a, it's really gross uh, <laughs> R&B kind of uh, R. Kelly song about nailing chicks. <laughs> Teaching a baby, the, probably, arguably the most important lesson yes. in life, how to bang chicks. Yeah, gotta treat the bitches right. <laughs> That's what it is all about. You know, you got to learn that. The songs are intensely visual. You know, like like the one wow. with the toxic waste beach and uh, and the farming and this and that. Like, have there been music videos well, made to I any have, of your tracks? I, it, I know I have to do this, and I I'm very lazy, but I'm going to do this. And you know, there's a lot of them are very visual, and we we the guy who produced the album with me, uh, Robbie Roth, who, who helped me write the songs and things. He's really brilliant, and he's actually just finished. <laughs> so you'll laugh. Or I hope you will. Just finished doing the music, uh, and it opened on in the West End. Uh, Flashdance, the musical. He did all. Oh, of he the did music all that? For that. So he's got that kind of background, and I really like him. I know it's unbelievable, but wow. I know. Well, it's doing well. Anyway, <laughs> so he. But what I like about him is he's. He can just go. This is this thing mm-hmm. I have to write. I will accomplish it. Like he started off writing for Disney, doing like, uh, Fairytopia. With Barbie, sure, and writing the music for those things, and I think it gives you a good training in just executing a style. Mm-hmm. And that's what we wanted to do: have a really big range of styles in the album. Because there's there's dance music, there's hip hop, there's uh, country. You have this one song where you're singing like a tenor. Uh, the, towards the end of the song, you reminded me of some of the uh, singers my mom would listen to. What's the name of that track? Kachivo. Kachivo. Yeah, and you're just going for it. And I was like, holy shit, is this all Sean? Because he's doing me. the hip hop, he's doing the country voice, he's doing the punk voice. Yes. And then you're doing he's a little punk rock song, and then now you're doing this. Oh, I, I won't even try and do it. That's about as, the extent of my singing. Kachivo! 
my sweet kachibo. Yeah. Uh, I think there's too many tenors in the world, though. <laughs> Multi-talented. Well, there's the three Irish tenors, and there's the three tenors. The only, start you need two more tenors to well, go out on your own. I know. The Canadian tenors. Well, there is a Canadian tenors, but there's four of them. Then I saw... I, I was at a hockey game, and they had the, you know, have of people course. do the... Of course, uh, of course you were. Somewhere. And they, they, they do... Uh, they have, like, somebody sing the anthem. Ten tenors. The ten tenors. How many tenors do you need? That's about nine tenors too many. That's a bit redundant. It's yeah. stupid. What, if you're all singing the same part, what's the point? It, I would understand the five tenors and the five, five baritones, something a little yeah. bit extra. No, it's stupid. It's stupid. It's like, I don't understand how <laughs> to acquire singing in unison. I don't get did it. They get in, did you notice a tenor competition? Oh, you know, there's too? a tension. There's a tension there. <laughs> like the surface of a raindrop. A tension. A little burst. So, have you been since you've been on the show? I've been very good. Uh, writing I went over to, I went to Canada for a brief time. I had to do a few different shows, and I do a couple of animated series. Uh, one that's broadcast down here called Jimmy Two Shoes. Um, I think it's on uh, the Cartoon Network, mm-hmm. and uh, I won an award for The Voice, uh, oh. an actor award, which is like an after award. Congratulations. Oh important. And uh, so I won for that, and it was funny, because I was there... There were only three awards given out, and it's for the actor, like the uh, Associated Canadian Television Radio Actors. And uh, there are only three, one for best male performance in a film or whatever, one for best female performance, and then one for voice. Mm-hmm. And I won the voice one. And then uh, there were the, the were you two nominated people... for the no, live action? No, I wasn't, because I wasn't really right. in anything that... Uh, and uh, so the woman who won for... Uh, for the acting, she was dead and couldn't accept oh. the award. And then uh, Maury, uh, then the other one was uh, also no point, dead. At no point, wait, the and other guy was dead? dead? Both of them had died during the year and couldn't really accept their awards. So I was the only you live person. You should have been like, you should have just gone them all. I wanted to. Or at least accept it on their behalf. You, I mean, with such a range of voice talent. You yeah. should just be like, this is what she would have said had she been Yes, here. I know. Ma- Maury Chaken. Uh, do you know Maury Chaken? He's been in a few movies. He's really good. He was in... He was the lawyer in Mystery Alaska. Um, he was in Dances with Wolves. He was the yeah. last guy... That he goes, uh, Kevin Costner goes out west, and he goes to the outpost and says, yes. "Any guy just waving to him, wetting his pants yes. like crazy." That's more, more chicken. So he's one of those people you definitely recognize. He's as a, a great character, character actor yeah. and a brilliant actor, and he was in a lot of uh, uh, Adam McGoyan films. Do you know mm-hmm. Adam McGoyan? He does like uh, he, he did the school. Hereafter. Yeah. Uh, the, the kind of stuff we, we cover on Geeks. Oh, yeah, it's really, really the... It's got aliens, it's got breasts, well, it's got laser guns. There is some incest in that movie, so... Like Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, okay. okay. He's a really nice man, and it was really sad uh, that he passed away, but he was great. He was a really funny person. And, well, uh, I hope that the, these awards are some form of premonition. Is there somebody knocking him off? Yeah. Well, I think I'm going to die, but at least I'll sound well, maybe amazing. Live action. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's it. If they you only don't kill, want they, to get If they nominated. can't see you and can't identify you, you won't die. Um, yeah, as long as they just hear your voice, they don't know what you look like. So I, I <laughs> <laughs> so you escape that problem. So Geekscape, as we skipped last week, I was down in Austin for South by Southwest. Sweet. Some of you guys who are fans on Facebook or on the site have seen some of the coverage we did, where we interviewed uh, like the creators of Paul. Uh, I interviewed Nick Frost and um, and Greg Matola, the, dire- the writer and director, and I guess in Nick's case, the star of Paul, the movie with um, Seth Rogen as the voice of an alien. It's got have you seen this movie, Paul? Uh, no. 
It's got uh, it's got uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. I love Simon Pegg. And they're these nerds who are here in, uh, from England. They go to Comic Con, and they're going to spend the t- the days after Comic Con, kind of traveling the the Western U.S., going to Alien oh, yeah, Sci-Fi like subject matters, yeah. Area Fifty One, something like that. And they meet an alien, voiced by Seth Rogen, who's escaping from Area Fifty One. All right. And so he takes on you know he, he they hide him. And they're they're just ahead of the spooks, the government spooks who want him back, because he's got psychic powers and he you know but he he's helps their space program. He's just trying to get out. yeah he's a he's a loudmouth slacker. He's rude. Greg Matola did super bad Adventureland. Um, we can play the interviews if you want. I can put the interviews in the show. Yeah. Okay. Uh, here are the interviews that I do with Nick Frost and Greg Matola at South by Southwest about Paul, which I thought was really uh, sweet geek movie. A bit of a slow first act That really smooths itself out And turns into what I think is a really fun movie Hear those interviews, we'll be right back I mean you have Paul and then you have Attack the Block yeah. Which is more of a Critters type movie But I this guess. one is more of a love letter Not only to it's America more, but also to a geek film Absolutely, and to Steven Spielberg And I, I, I think this is probably more a, a road movie a road movie with an alien thrown in Than mm-hmm. the other way around, you know I think one of our initial plans when we sat down to write this is we wanted to write Little Miss Sunshine but with an alien instead of Alan Arkin or <laughs> Fandango uh, with, with Paul instead of Kevin Costner. Uh-huh. And when do the geek influences come in there or is that just a natural element of you guys that's being us, the ones you know, who wrote it? Right. That's what we do, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, that, that is our, uh, you know, that that's our language. Our language, I think You're short for language, but it's yeah. our language. Yeah, I mean, like, I run a site called Geekscape. You know, so. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's 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 there are points of reference. So um, you know, we don't just have a, a list of references and we think, oh, we gotta get this in, we gotta get this in. It's it's just how we talk. You know, if we go into an area of a city and it's a bit sketchy. We say, "Oh, it's a bit like Moss Eisley, isn't it?" You know, yeah. for example. So that's 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 our palette. That's what we're trying <laughs> to find the word for. Yeah. And as you guys are putting the movie together, and then Greg comes on to direct it. Well, it's the, you know, the geeks like when you guys work with Edgar. But what's the difference with working with uh, with Greg as the director? What was that like? Uh, you know, Edgar was never going to do this. It wasn't his idea. It was Simon and I's idea. And uh, you know, Edgar was uh, was doing Scott Pilgrim and. Uh, you know, we had, I'd watched Superbad at the premiere in San Diego Comic Con about five years ago or something. And straight away, you know, seeing Greg and what he did to Superbad, just, we knew immediately that he could do this to Paul, you know. I mean, he took something which could have been a kind of crude coming of age uh, teen comedy and he gave it a lot of heart, you know. And we, we wanted that. And we, me and Simon watched it in a screening room in London and we just immediately said, ah, this is it, this is the guy we need, you know. Yeah, no, the, the movie does have a lot of heart. Um, as a geek, becoming I think, I think a geek, the geeks figure, will get yeah. over the fact that Ed was not directing it, you know. And, oh, absolutely, because we, we, we will come back together. In, absolutely, absolutely, he is, you know. And we'll come back together. Um, and you know, Simon and Edgar are going to write the kind of third in the Blood and Ice Cream trilogy later on this year, and we're going to try and tribute next year or something. No, that'd be awesome. As a geek, being a big fan of all this stuff, uh, but also being an idol within the geek world, has it separated you anything from the thing which you love? Have you have made it tough? Like Comic Con's now inaccessible to you as a fan. Uh, well, I don't know. It is. You get your perks too. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it is and it isn't. I mean. 
I still have as much fun going there now as I did, you know, six, seven years ago when I was, when Shaun of the Dead had barely come out, you know, so it's, it's swings and roundabouts to quote Hot Buzz. Well, what's the geek stuff that you're into right now? Uh, I'm a big fan of Image, uh, so I read a lot of Robert Kirkman and I read a lot of Invincible. I've got an iPad with a, you know, with a whole, uh, the whole series on and you'll often find me in bed with my quilt on my head with a little torch just you know, flicking through, uh, I think the new one's 78, which is about to come out, and I haven't seen it yet, so I, I, I'm, I think I'm getting slight withdrawal symptoms. Your movies sometimes take extremes, and sometimes like Adventureland, they're closer to uh, How do you inject them all with sincerity, though? Like with Paul, you have a character that wasn't even on set for so, most of the movie. What was your secret for, in the story, putting that sincerity on screen? Um, well, that to me was like one of the challenges of making the movie, and one of the reasons I wanted to do it was to see could I take what I might say to an actor and say it to a team of animators? And, you know, it took like a year and a half to get there, but that was, that was my goal, to make Paul as human as the humans in the film and to make him somebody who's, you know, kind of a, a, a character with real dimensions. You know, at times he's really annoying and childish, and other times he's a really he's kind of a good friend and tells people things they don't want to hear, but they, you know, would probably help them the most. And he's kind of a real mensch at points in the movie. He's also, you know, a coward at other points in the movie. And they wrote a really good character, and I thought, oh, well, if that was an actor, I would know how to talk about the scene. So can we do that with pixels? And so that was... Uh, and I feel like it's not something you necessarily see CGI characters doing. You don't see CGI characters being good listeners, you know? So stuff like that was uh, a big part of what I thought I might be able to bring to it. Of course, I knew nothing about special effects, but... And Simon and Nick writing the script, were they uh, collaborative with any collaboration on set? Like, if something came up and something needed to be changed, everybody was really open to your suggestions? Yeah, I mean, we definitely, they, they listened to my ideas, and, and um, but the script was really solid and really, really hilarious, and we didn't have to change a lot, but there were, you know, there were things, I mean, part, you know, there's so many references in the movie, and I had to get in on the game a little bit and throw in some references of my own, just because, you know, I didn't want to be the only one outside of the game. All the actors, like, snuck in lines, it started out like there were a few references, and by the end of the film, there were like hundreds of them. So, it, was it an equal collaboration of geeks? Because the movie very much is a love letter to not only American Spielberg films, but also geekdom. And we're geekscape.net, and yeah. I mean, were these guys throwing the geek references, and you were like, okay, I'm going to have to step up. It's like a drinking game for the socially inadequate. At what point did you guys top out? Uh, well, it, for them, it's so crazy that they're, they so eat, breathe, and sleep pop culture that they wrote in lines for movies not even remembering. It's like, it was like a subconscious exercise. There are things where they say, like, you know that's from this movie, and they go, oh, I didn't even... Like, things we're still talking about now, like, long after the film's done. So, uh, you know, I had to prove to Simon that I had some geek credibility when we first met, so I, I, I showed him... Um, this is... You know, I told him about my love of science fiction movies, and I recently showed him a picture I did when I was an art student in college. It was, a, like, the first week of art school, and the assignment was draw yourself with your hero, and I drew myself with George Lucas and then drew all the Star Wars characters around it, and it's the dorkiest picture you've ever seen in your life, and I have the worst 1980s haircut. So, it's yeah, I might Twitter it, but it's about the most embarrassing thing I could put out in the public. In the second half of the movie, is very much like a love letter to E.T. and Spielberg and Lucas. And what were the movies, do you see those movies subconsciously influencing your work as well, not just on the script, but in, in your shots? You're like, oh my God, I took that from this. That was a hint at that. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm I, I'm not one millionth a filmmaker that someone like Steven Spielberg is, and we didn't have a, a giant budget. But I try to like, you know, go back and rewatch those movies, even like Sugarland Express and Duel, the early ones that are lower budget and shot in the desert, and trying to soak up some of the feeling of, you know, the you know the fable quality of those movies, and and just you know, it's a comedy. You can't stop for too long for stuff that's not jokes. But just we can try and find those moments where. A little bit of the magic of those films. We could try and have our cake and eat it too and sneak in. We had a really beautiful score written by David Arnold who did the score to Hot Fuzz and did Independence Day. And, you know, he he injects a lot of that into the last third of the movie. It actually goes to that John Williams place in the music. And I think uh, I think it's I think it's quite satisfying, I hope, for the audience to actually have some feeling after all the silliness. And coming from, like, the day uh, troopers, it, was it hard on a movie of such magnitude towards the end of the film to stop the cinematics long enough to put that Greg Matola, sen- you know, sincerity into it in those most quiet moments? Um, I mean, it's always sort of a balancing act. You're always wondering if, you know, I'm doing it too much or not enough. And... One of the advantages of having a CGI character is in the end you can cut some scenes out and fix some misjudgments you made during shooting because you have an actor who hasn't rapped. You know, you can change some of his lines. And we did do some of that because I think I'd say, oh, you know, I, I, this scene is just too expositional. We don't need it. We just need to move on to the next character bit. And, uh, and it helped us change a bunch of things in post. So that's, yeah, that's the one sneaky trick of CG characters. The last question the geeks want to know, would you ever do a superhero movie or anything in the genre? I, I, I don't know if I have I don't know if I have Are you a fan of the material? Like, no I am. I look I I I, uh, I was recently contacted by Marvel Comics. I named the, uh, the the comic book Peter Parker's Peter Parker the Spectacular Spider Man was a brand new comic um, you know, spin off of Spider Man. And they had a contest to name the the uh, letters page and I won it and Stanley called my house and to tell me I won a no prize, which is nothing. And uh, they found it in the archives. They're like, "We found this. Are you the same Greg Matola?" And I was like, "Yeah, that was me." Yeah, we did a we did yeah. a fake thing where That's I was I mad that. that I never won. Yeah. As an amazing Spider-Man reader, I read that. Yeah, That's so phenomenal. yeah, so and then so in a recent Greg Matola has Craig nerds. Don't worry, geeks. My, We're in good. My fantasy uh, character is uh, is Adam Warlock, in Marvel Comics. He's he's a little you know not not one of the obvious ones. I loved I love he's he. he you know, overlap with Avengers and Man Thing and a bunch of weird stuff. Add that Greg Matola sincerity. That's right. I'll make most of see your comic book film. So that was my interview with uh, two of the men behind Paul. Uh, Who are the men behind Paul? <laughs> Steve and Jeff. Hi, the guys. Anyway. Um, I gotta say uh, about you Paul. You saw it, yeah. I, I liked it a lot. I agree with you about the first <clears throat> act. It's very slow, but once you, they actually meet up with Paul and get going, it's great. The one thing I really have told everybody that I've talked to Paul about is. This is the first CG character where at no point, at any point, did I go, did I, did I get taken out of it by the fact that it was CG. What about Smeagol? What about Gollum, Smeagol? No, there were times with Smeagol where I'm like, the, the, that's an animated guy. Mm. Like, he, he no, I got great. you. I got he you. great. I got you. Were, I never got pulled out <clears throat> at all. I actually got to, I, I actually thought about Paul as a character instead of thinking him as just this side thing for everybody else. Seth Rogen's Canadian. Is he Canadian? Yes, he's any from chance Vancouver. any chance that Seth Rogen could probably uh, knock you off in his performance in Paul, his voice performance in Paul. 
Any chance we can, he can do that? We we will stop that from happening. We can stop that from happening. Oh, well, we what might, do but I don't it's know. It's a voice town. I mean, I, you know, it's very insular. I doubt that they they, they would uh, nominate him because he's just too famous. Like a, I don't okay. think it's like a belt he has to defend. No, no, I'm no. Okay. I, I I think that in the did you watch the boring ass Oscars? I did not. It's awful. I did not. I will well, never. I never watched the Oscars. It was such a bad choice. Those hosts. Uh, yeah, I mean they're not funny. I, I like I. There's a certain sense of irreverence that you have to have. Yeah. Like, Billy Crystal is the best. best because yeah. he's just like, I'm, I'm as big as you people, and I also don't care. Right. Like, I'm going to make fun of you. And, and the I don't care helped David Letterman yeah. to an extent. Conan O'Brien, when he did the Golden Globes, was fun. Yeah. Even but Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais on the Golden Globes. Well, just to be irreverent. Like, these people get their asses licked <laughs> all day long. That's not what I want to see, you right. know? I right. just don't want to Like there was so much I, I don't mean, know Some of those actresses Well I wouldn't mind Getting yeah. some ass licking going yeah. But uh, <laughs> But you know Kirk Douglas uh, I was like That was sad Wow yeah. yeah Give him no lines He'll be funny anyway Gee, He just got meandering he, around He wouldn't stop No and he had jokes And then I was like No just, No He's a lovely I love Spartacus you're, you're scaring the children I love Spartacus But his giant earlobes Terrified mm-hmm. me at least Billy Crystal has said if they ask him, he said he'd do it. Yeah. Well, good, because... They come crawling back to me. He's like, this week, he's like, if they ask me, I'll do it next year. Um, they need someone who's inside their world and can make fun of them. Like, Chris Rock yeah, but was still make fine, it accessible but he was not the yeah. really part of the yeah. Hollywood world. Like, right. that pantheon of inner... Like sanctum right. of stars, and Billy Crystal be... has a history. It takes yeah. a lot to make Whoopi Goldberg look like a good host. Oh my God, Andy Kindler, still a million dollars for anyone who has video of uh, Whoopi Goldberg being funny. That's his challenge. <laughs> That's his challenge. Remember Whoopi Goldberg? They kept swapping her in and out of costumes, almost like a joke. Oh! They were they were almost like, like Queen Elizabeth. It was mean. It was horrible. Um, to the strange. Guys, uh, I saw what I think is, up to now, the best movie of the year. Um, and you guys won't expect this. Super. James Gunn. You know James Gunn? He, he did Slither. Oh, yeah. He, did, he wrote the Dawn of the Dead movie that, oh, that Zack Snyder did. He made this movie with Rain Wilson and Ellen Page. Which, I know. It, it premiered at Toronto. And you're thinking, how is this the best movie? Rain Wilson plays uh, this guy who's married to Liv Tyler. Mm-hmm. And Laura, my wife, when she saw the trailer, she goes, "How is that believable?" But in the movie, they really justify it, and you understand how someone like Liv Tyler is with someone like Rain Wilson, who's a fry cook at a restaurant in the movie. Uh, and he's losing her. Yeah, just she's moving on, and Kevin Bacon kind of plays this jerk hoodlum local gangster, who's mm-hmm. kind of moving in, moved in, and on her. And Rain Wilson snaps. He can't stand it. He can't stand the getting pushed around. He can't stand losing his wife, and he slowly see, he sees a premonition in his sleep. He gets touched by the finger of God, and he decides to become a superhero. That sounds like the weirdest setup for a movie. Ellen Page plays a clerk at a comic book store who kind of guides him through the process of okay, this is these are non-powered superheroes. They use utility belts, da, 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 which is what he's going to become. And she ultimately becomes a sidekick for him. In the movie, is weird. It reminded me of a lot of James Gunn's work in, on the web. Stuff uh, like PG porn and um, the Humanzy was a half human, half chimpanzee movie short that he did. He does these weird shorts. Right. 
and he, he and they're ballsy. He uses a bold language with them. And uh, my editor on on things like When Ninjas Attack is his editor on the web stuff. So I would see a lot of this stuff, and, it, and I was like, man, this is some awesome, inspiring stuff. He used that same confidence in this movie. He was not afraid of putting some weird ass scenes in this film. Sure. And Rain Wilson's psychology just starts to go. He starts to become a kind of a dark person, especially when he becomes a vigilante. And about halfway through the movie, I wasn't convinced the movie was going to work. I, th- this this fabric that they're weaving, this quilt that they're weaving of all these disparate parts are just too much. How are they going to make a cohesive ending to this film? It's one of the most powerful endings I've seen in any superhero movie. It is an incredible movie. This This film... You don't even see the training wheels come off halfway through the film. The end of Super had Ian Kerner, who you guys know from the show. We went to see this. Our jaws were on the floor. We were so moved by the ending of this film. The guy who brought you Slither (laughs) and wrote Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, in the Scooby-Doo films and did all these PG porn web guys, he's one of us. Made an incredible movie. And what, what, is it in theaters? It comes right out April first here in the states. It's it, maybe it'll have a limited release, but this thing, you guys as geeks, if you're watching Geekscape, you guys have to see it. And I know it sounds like Kickass, but Kickass, when you saw Kickass, about halfway through the movie, he gets the girl. Then they're flying around. It kind of falls into convention. It's like, oh, we're gonna do a realistic take on superheroes, and about halfway through it, they're like, oh, we're gonna bail out, and we're just gonna give you a superhero movie yeah. where everything, anything can happen. In this movie, the psychology is what the most realistic thing is about it. Becoming a vigilante would destroy your perception of how to treat other human beings. Mm-hmm. It would, it would be damaging to you. It would ruin your life. And at no point do they flinch yeah. from this, which, which is what makes the ending so powerful. They don't flinch from how awful things would get if you thought if your idea of justice was going around with a pipe wrench hitting people. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's what makes the movie so awesome. That is what makes it one of my top five favorite superhero movies, and the only one who actually has any realistic base to it and delves the most into the psychology. I mean, you love Spider-Man Two, but Spider-Man Two is a, you know it's a fantasy. Mm. This movie. It's an accomplishment I, t- I talked to them at South by Southwest as well I'll just fatten up the episode and throw that in there uh, Here's me talking to uh, Ellen Page, Rain Wilson And James Gunn at South by Southwest at the red carpet premiere Geekscape You want to do a station ID? I'm Rain Wilson and this is Geekscape, Geekscape. <laughs> uh, In the movie your performance last Geekscape. week Geekscape How dare you sir <laughs> um, The movie You go to extremes and then Geekscape. you also have like Really sincere, quieter moments. Yes. Where did you find just like the consistent purity of the character to, to kind of rein you in whenever you were ready for a scene or ready to approach the day? I found it in the geekscape of my mind. What? what I love it? the word geekscape. No, come on. We, we can't name. You know, name our, your site. No, no, our geeks don't love you. Me again, I'll fight you right I will, now. Let's go. Get in the costume. Let's go. Get in the I don't costume. need a costume. I, I've, get I have it on underneath this. You can't find me without a wrench. I saw um, the movie. I love. I love the movie. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I yelled at you on the street right there. You were in front of the hotel. Like, the movie's awesome, and you were like, "Thank you very much." Oh, the movie's good. incredible. Actually, it's it's actually a phenomenal film. Oh, thank and you. And as I was saying, it's got so many different tastes in it, but yeah. it still keeps a cohesive character throughout. That's what was the, your? That's the thing that James did effortlessly, which is that this film. I mean, James has described it before. The director, James Gunn, he described it as Taxi Driver meets Napoleon Dynamite. Mm-hmm. 
and it is hyper violent and hyper funny at the same time. And it, but it feels gritty and real. But there's romance, there's action, there's tears that are shed, dramatic elements, and um, I don't know how he did it, but he wove it all together in, into into one cohesive world. And I knew my job, and the, I was so attracted to this in playing Frank, was that. Um, uh, I, I, I loved the arc of the character. I mean, he starts as this schlubby, sad sack, and he goes on this series of adventures. He talks to God. His brain gets touched by the finger of God. He goes on a mission. He teams up with Ellen Page and gets the girl and beats up bad guys along the way, and a lot of really effed up stuff happens. And how often do you get to play a role like that? It was, it's pretty extraordinary. Um, in the film, you kind of play the anti-Jiminy Cricket to Rain's character. How, how much fun was it just and, uh, cutting loose and uh, going through the material like that? Yeah, I know. So much fun. I mean, really, I made really such is. a yeah. epic fool cool. of myself in this movie, and there's nothing I like more than doing that. And that getting to lose myself and getting to make big choices and just trust that they're going to work out. It's kind of one thing that probably the main thing that I love about my job. No, the, the movie's phenomenal, and you're really the barometer of the extremes in which his character goes to. Um, was there any point where you had any questions about the material? Like, you know what, I have to uh, rein this in at any point. No, I mean, I think... Uh, Just having too much fun and getting too, too many setups in a day? I mean, you never want to, you know... Do, do anything, or, yes, yes, yes. but I think I just uh, trust James a lot, and, uh, and, and I adore Rain, and it's so much fun working with him, and you know, I just felt so comfortable on set, and you don't have a lot of time to think about it on a movie with this budget and the amount of time you shoot, and you just go for it, and fly by the seat of your pants, and I had such a, such a good time making it. Uh, you wrote in 2003, you, sh- you got, didn't get a chance to shoot until recently, how much do you think... I know that it didn't educate the script, you barely touched it, but how much uh, visually were you affected by uh, the emergence of like the superhero culture in film? Um, I don't really think I was. In fact, one of the things about the movie is when I first made it, I was very influenced by a... a so, so not worthy of quotes. Uh, by a filmmaker named Lucas Moodyson out of Sweden who did a movie called Together and Show Me Love. Very rough and down and dirty filmmaking style. And that's what Super is. I wanted Super to be a kind of filmmaking style that people don't expect. It isn't glitzy and over the top like most superhero movies. It's handheld, gritty, dirty, 70s, ugly. And my cinematographer is a guy who I saw did a movie, Bully, like many years ago. And as soon as I saw that film, I'm like, that's the guy. That's the look. That's what I want it to look like. And, you know, that's who ended up shooting the movie. It, but the movie is still grounded very much, even as anarchic as it is, it, it has very human moments. How did you uh, vacillate between the two? It, the part of the movie was also it felt educated by some of the web stuff you've done with me. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it, the, the web stuff educated what I did because it was a sense of freedom and doing whatever I wanted, you know. And for years I've worked within studio, you know, uh, confines. And they really, they, they rein you in a lot. And it makes you not trust yourself so much as an artist. And Super, I really went all the way. I found that my web stuff was some of my most successful successful stuff and I did go all the way with it so I think it informed me in that way I think as far as like the different tones and super I think it was an important part of it it's not just a comedy it's not just a tragedy it's it's a little bit of everything and I think one of the interesting things is trying to feel those things at the same time you know there's a great scene in the movie where rain is praying to God and it's really sad really funny at the same time and you know I, you feel both things at the same time I think it's unusual to see that in a movie and it's a, it's a real it's a real credit to Rain that he was able to do that scene. 
Yeah, how much did the performances bring the script further? Were there parts where you were like, okay, as much as I just want a gun for it, now that I have the restraints off, what, what were the parts where you wanted to say, I'm just going to have to trust the actors and let the camera roll? Well, I think, you know, I needed to trust the actors completely from the beginning. I think we needed to trust each other. They need, like, Ellen, for instance, she goes so far in this movie. She exerts so much energy that she almost fainted on stage numerous times. And she had to trust me enough as a director to take care of her and be there for her as she did that. And I had to trust her enough to, like, really let her go all the way. And I told her early on when we started making the movie, she's like, I hope I don't go too far or do something too weird and I said let me judge when you go too far I'm gonna let you go all the way and I'll be you know in charge of stopping you but take it all the way and she did and I'm so like everybody's blown away by her performance in the movie she's fantastic Geekscape <laughs> so go see that movie in about two weeks Geekscape uh, Geekscape Geekscape yeah, I could not get him it was awkward. Geekscape! Uh, it was awkward. My interview with Rain Wilson, I could, he, he just kept saying Geekscape, and I was like, I really need you to answer some questions. Geekscape! He kept doing that, and I was like, eh, it was awkward. I touched him, and he told me not to touch him. But he, like he, was jocular, jocular. Oh. he was being jocular. He was being jocular to a I don't know. It was weird. He's a weirdo. <clears throat> it was fun, though. Um, next week, we've, we've got interviews on the show. We'll, we'll put up our interviews for about source code. Which, next, week. uh, next weekend, yeah, uh, next you're, weekend. You're I'm, I'm not. A, I, I, oh yeah, I have to tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm here. We're gonna do a geek team next week. Oh, sorry thanks. about that. Sorry about that. He's always the last to know. I think I know who. I think I know who's gonna host next weekend. Okay. We'll talk about it. But yeah, I'm sorry to redo the plans. I will be here next weekend. We're gonna run the source code interviews and also interviews about bridesmaids, Paul, Paul Fag and Kristen Wiig. Hold on, I have we're gonna to have a pretty cancel a massage parlor. That's fine. Thing. That's fine. Um, but tons of stuff opened. Um, Battle LA, I finally saw Battle LA. How did you, I went to that. Did you see that? I went to What did it. you think of well, Battle LA? Well, here's what I LA. like. Here's what I, I really, Let's it's talk a about kind it. of a genre that I really love, which is annihilating, like, is this uh, invasion. Michael? No, sorry to interrupt. Your, invasion and annihilation of, you know. His mic is better than your mic. Oh, great, still. great. Uh, I, I love that kind of, you know. Wipe out and everything, but the problem with those movies, I, I love uh, War of the Worlds. Uh, the original War of the Worlds is great. I mean, but here's the thing: it always comes down to, oh, that one thing. These people are so smart; they can fly between planets, they can re-enter the atmosphere, they can build drones that can completely change their shape and. But they really are stupid. They put one weak spot. Yeah, they all they got a giant weak spot. It's not like. And it's just sitting in the ground. Anyway, in it, video games, that weak spot close. Yeah. Oh yes. What, what do you? I mean, what do you think of the movie? The movie has. Um, well, Aaron I really kind of like a like retiring uh, marine. He's he's over it. He's got self doubts because a platoon of his died, yeah. got eradicated in Iraq. So now some of his own or Afghanistan. Now some of his own soldiers are doubting him. He's been demoted. Well, he was going to retire. Yeah, the beginning of the film, he say the Nazis are going to retire, and he's just going to stay into a training run with the last training group. And uh, but then uh, things happen. Aliens, uh, attack aliens attack. And it's quite well, uh, you know. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Are they attacking everywhere? Everywhere. 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 They're all like over the world. Sixteen different major cities on the coast, and you find out that water is a big thing for them. Well, they water water is resources. Their fuel, you know. Water's their fuel. And, they crack uh, it, I guess, to make fuel. And they're taking a realistic approach to what would happen. Not Cloverfield realistic, but no. a little bit documentary. Well, style. it's kind of like if you. Black Hawk Down is what yeah. my wife said. She said that was the Black Hawk Down of Alien. It was a lot of movies. tactical, like you're in this world and everything you, about combat and Black Hawk Down is like 
things are just going everywhere mm -hmm. all over the place and people are you know have no I, there's a sense of total confusion mm -hmm. but your training keeps you cohesive and you do it you 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 react automatically and there and there's interesting character stuff well, I, why I like movies like this, I love aliens. I love yeah. the platoon of troops and their personalities. You get to meet them all. That That's something I think I would have liked more of in this mm -hmm. uh, to, as more preamble. They tried to give you a little bit, but they all, all the characters are kind of really the same right. person. And when the girl shows up, uh, who's the signal... Uh, you know who I mean? Yeah, uh, your friend. The pilot. The shoulder shoulder yeah. yeah, she shows up, she's... Uh, she's really great. I yeah, think. she's been knocked. I did like her in this. Uh, she got knocked away. She's a communications expert. They're trying to find the source of the communications from yeah. the other side, and she ends up getting cut off from her group and ends up with this group. It's good. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I, I like it, but then again, you always like that kind of like Deus is Machina kind of like, here's how you do it. Oh, let's you know, knock like it out. Millions of people Up are killed, the virus but you couldn't figure that out first. Yeah. Like, and. I don't know. They're also weird, like their radios work, and you'd think people would just jam your communications. Mm -hmm. If they're going to invade and they're from another planet, that's probably the thing they'd do first, is just be able to send out white noise. Well, you couldn't talk to each other, and the, that would cause confusion. The flip side movie that they show on Alien Planets is they land, and they can't figure out how to knock out communications. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah it, it's, it's a bit It was a different movie than Paul. I saw a real... Uh, I, I like Battle L.A., uh, it, it, it's funny because the Strauss Brothers did the uh, effects on it And the Strauss Brothers also did Skyline And I feel like those movies could exist in the same world uh, Yeah, it's a real weird uh, Skyline did not interest me at all It and looked it was ridiculous fine. It, was a, it, was a high, it was a higher budget sci-fi original movie yeah. If you enjoy that stuff, I recommended it mm -hmm. uh, Battle LA is a bit more satisfying um, it doesn't give you the macro view of the fight. It gives you a micro view just with this one. Well, yeah, you kind of unit, follow. Which I like. Yeah, I don't want to. You know, who cares about who cares? Who who cares running about, everything? Who cares about aliens going over the the White House and crap like that? We've seen that. We've seen that. Well, that's what I thought was interesting or fun. Is just going. Okay, we're going to obliterate Santa Monica. We're going to just level it. We got to get out of there before mm -hmm. the bombs fall. And you're like, wow, that's great. Yeah. Like it's just, <laughs> well, in a way, it's kind of it's just Makes the detail sense. in the you smallest. No, no, I love uh, Santa Monica. But I mean, but I mean, the tactical. Nice. What would you do? What would you do? Mm -hmm. You're like, what kind of choices would you have to make if you're going to give up a beachhead to aliens from another planet? You know, it's fun. If the, that's the type of movie you like, you're looking forward to Peter Berg's uh, Battleship. I have not heard about yeah, it. Yeah, he's doing a uh, battleship you, movie you for Universal. And it's actually it's an alien invasion uh, feature. That's what he that's what he twisted it. So Where they're going C one, C three. It is. I mean, the option Hasbro has a has a has a uh, an office on the Universal lot, and it's one of their properties. Wow. It's like a, you're going to see a Mr. Potato Head movie. You're going to see all that stuff. So they went well. to Peter Berg and said, "Hey, we want to make uh, we want to make this battleship." And he's like, "Okay, I'll do it if I can make it an alien invasion movie." Sure. Wow. Why not? Well, why not? Um, I saw a kick-ass alien invasion movie at South by Southwest. It was produced by Edgar Wright. I love He was Edgar. the executive producer of this. It's got Nick Frost in it. Um, it's called Attack the Block. It is a British movie, a British director, British cast, and it. I keep telling people I want to remake Critters. Somebody beat you to it. This is critters. I'm cool with not doing critters anymore. It is these little meteorites fall, and these South London hoodlums who terrorize their tenements are running around, 
and they come face to face with this with the first like little critter that fell out of this meteorite, and they kill it because they're gangsters and they're badasses and they you know they've got weapons and they kill it. They parade it around. It's an alien, and then a ton of meteorites start falling. Oh, and now this tenement house that these gangsters are involved on top of. There's a there's a drug lord who sells weed and, and stuff. There's uh, Nick Frost who's kind of a, a stoner guy. Uh, you get a, you get a couple different of the characters who live in this tenement house. Now they got to unite to keep these little critter monsters Out from of killing block. all of them. Yeah, yeah, and it is so much fun. They're young kids too. They're they're like 15 years old and 16 years old. They're just little hoodlums running around on bikes. Yeah. And now they got to fight these cr- these critter monsters. Good. The movie is hilarious, and it's got that spirit of an 80s Gremlins, 80s Critters type film. Uh, it was a midnight feature. I was obviously tired going into it because I'd seen movies all day. The lights come down. Within the second that meteorite falls and, it, and something gets eaten, I'm giggling like a kid watching this movie. I'm like, this movie's fucking perfect! And I'm yeah. yelling out loud, this movie's fucking perfect. Yeah. And I'm doing that for the next hour and a half. The movie's hilarious. The people are saying, shut it's up. It's just giggly. They're like, oh, they're with me. I mean, this is a midnight movie to end all midnight. It, right. won, it won the popular vote for midnight movies at South by, And it was awesome. It was so much fun to watch. Good. Well, I love Edgar Wright. He's, he was actually... When I first moved to Los Angeles, I bought a house, and he was the first person to visit me in my house. Oh, really? Yeah, well, it was, there was nothing in it, but he was there because uh, he's a friend of... Uh, uh, Rich Fulchers from the Mighty Boosh. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, ju- I just think he's brilliant. I mean, I just watched, my son wanted to have a movie night, and he was like, I want to watch Hot Fuzz. <laughs> and Hot Fuzz is great. Like, there's, it's, it's almost perfect. It's really funny. Uh, but Shaun of the Dead is still one of my favorite movies. I mean, because, because yeah. it's just, there are moments where you go, oh, he shoots. He has to kill his mom. Mm-hmm. His stepfather kind of has a confession, and, the, and then turns into a zombie immediately. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of beautiful, juxta- like real emotion. And that's always what I look for, and why you you miss it in something like Battle L.A. It's mm-hmm. not as genuine and not as like there's that moment in Battle L.A. where you know Eckhart is. The, I was. It tells yeah, yeah. the brother what. I I think about my lost troops every day. No, you don't. Yeah. You maybe you it's do, like, but you give me mm-hmm. a break. You know, yeah. just tell him You're to do his job game. and shut up. Yeah. Anyway, I uh, I think sentiment is a huge part of those types of films. I think it's it's something that Edgar Wright has a good part of. Uh, I think. Well, it makes what elevates yeah. him above just a parody of, of right. zombie movies. You have real people, mm-hmm. and how would you relate? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, the one thing I love about his movies too is he always has a great way of moving the camera. Like in uh, uh, Hot Fuzz. There's a scene where he's sent away from London, and you see him with his peace lily mm-hmm. going, and he's on a. Pl- and you still get the sense of boredom and horror of traveling really far away, and but it's all done in like no time. Yeah, and it's kind of the kind of manic seconds. energy that you get it that he showed in um, in um, Scott Pilgrim. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, uh, we get it. We get it in bold moves. We get it in bold statements, and then he can also slow it down. And put you through the boring pacing of just going to get your morning coffee and paper in Shaun of the Dead. Oh. Which is just a great track shot. The back and forth is just awesome. And, and you get the zombie invasion in one shot, in one sequence. You get it. Yeah. Um, real, real, real masterful storytelling right there. Um, in, in a bit of comic book, a bit of pop culture. But definitely a grasp of the visual medium. You know yeah. what I mean? Speaking of Edgar Wright. 
Uh, Edgar Wright has been talked to about possibly directing an episode of next season's Walking Dead. Oh. His approach is... I'd feel more comfortable coming in on the ground floor. I don't want to be the guy who comes in and just fucks it up, <laughs> which is understandable. Well, maybe they should make him the, you know, showrunner for the, or like the, you know, someone <laughs> yeah. who's like the uh, a guiding Frank hand. Darabont. Frank Darabont. Frank uh, um, Darabont. Like did you see the mist? Uh, I made the mist, and it's better in black and white. Um, I love the fog. <clears throat> The Fog, yeah. Um, Carpenter's The Fog? Yes. John Carpenter's The Fog is awesome. I love The Fog remake. <laughs> oh, no. Tom Welling. Is that Tom, Tom Welling done Tom another Welling movie? Tom Welling right. I really, I love, I actually love Smallville. Oh, me too. Uh-huh. I, I love it. And I just, I'm watching it on, uh, I just, I, I, I took a break from it, then I watched season nine, and I got back into it. I heard it starts kicking ass right around yeah, then, and when then Jeff John, when Jeff John starts kicking yeah, ass. Is it, what it's it having a renaissance, and it's so sad that... Because it's over now. They're going out on such a high note, and you're like, you're finally telling the stories people uh, wanted to see. Well, this just in time, time for Zack Snyder's Superman. Yeah. And, and you enjoy this this deal with the, uh, the Smallville. I, I bailed at the beginning of season three. Uh, and, I and love maybe it. Maybe I should come back for season eight or nine. Or you, I'd say season nine mm-hmm. is where it starts to come back again. But you miss a lot. Things jump around. Zod comes back, right. and Zod is Zod, fent- The return of Zod. He's called Callum Blue. Blue. He's pretty Man. great, and uh, it's ah, it's just just would you great. You want to be in one of these. Superheroes type thing you'd love to, you would love that. Who would, who would I be? Yeah, well, we got some ideas. All right. You, you make a good Perry. Perry White. Perry White, the Rhino. Maybe. The uh, but no, uh, the uh, mini uh, Mike McKeon plays uh, Perry White. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Well, because his wife played uh, the wa- the Ma Kent. Kent. Yeah. She's great though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I find it so funny the producers didn't even know she played Lana Lang uh, in Superman Three. Mm-hmm. But you know who did? Mm-hmm. Um, Her husband, Michael McKean. No. Alfred Gomelon. No. Uh, uh, Tom Welling. No. He's Ryan. Ryan. Jeff Loeb. Oh, yeah, okay. Jeff, Jeff Loeb, Loeb I used to definitely. work with doing a, he was a showrunner for a show I did for PBS. What was it called? It was called, it was called Seven Little Monsters, mm-hmm. Maurice Sendak book that was, uh, I wrote, I don't know, 13 or 16 episodes, I forget. But he was the showrunner, and he also writes um, Superman and well, Now he's in charge Batman. of Marvel Entertainment's whole TV division. Well, he's brilliant. He, he needs to call you, and you need to get in there and maybe do one of these TV I've things. I've tried to call him. You could play Wong in like their Doctor Strange. If they do a Doctor Strange, you'd be a Wong. Hey, with your Chinese country. Oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bring me well, my, my wife, wife is Asian. <laughs> yeah, bring me my rice, you bitches. <laughs> yeah, I love Jeff. I mean, uh, he's brilliant. It, he really loves comic books. Like, mm-hmm. you know, well, he writes the, he wrote the period, the monthlies for Superman mm-hmm. and Batman. Man. Dude, the segues here are awesome because we have news. Well, we have news, but but our our Jeff Loeb story goes back to Wizard World in I think 07, 06 maybe oh seven. Brian Gilmore went up to talk to him just for an interview mm. and said he said Jeff like like we do the site Geekscape we just started it would you like an interview and Jeff Loeb goes you want to go grab smoothies and we can just talk and it just turned into something we get our comic books at the same store and he's always just been so. Nice and approachable and sincere. Well, I do it. love him. You know, the thing is, I drifted out because I went back up to Canada and mm-hmm. I also had divorced and all kinds of things. But I, um, I kind of lost track of him. And mm-hmm. then by the time I got back in touch, I, I never got back in touch with him. He was doing like Smallville yeah. and, and then he went on to Heroes. And I was just like, oh. no, 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 no. You still got to, Jeff. 
you want to contact, uh, you know, you don't, you don't Sissy, have to get you know, he's got a million people like, trying to contact No, no, it's fine. It's and, fine. No, uh, no, 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 don't worry about call it. Call me, Jeff. Call, call me. Call Sean. Think about Sean. Oh, I just, uh, I just think he's a brilliant guy and a really he very can, good person. You he know? can write. He can be in front of the camera. <laughs> Go get my books and read them. Um, guys, speaking of casting and superheroes, and there's a lot of news. Oh my Joseph Gordon-Levitt, you know he was part of Dark Knight Rising. You now know that he's going to play Alberto Falcone, who in Jeff Loeb's Run on uh, on the suit, on the Batman. He did the the, the long, Halloween. long Halloween. Is the Holiday Killer. Nice. He's not going to play the Riddler. He's not going to play uh, Doctor Strange or any of this. He's going to play the Holiday Killer. He's not going to play Hugo Strange. He's going to play the Holiday Killer, which is cool. And it goes back to um, what's the name of the um, older actor who was in Batman Begins? Tom Wilkinson. Tom Wilkinson. It goes back to that whole Falcone crime family that they established yeah. in Batman Begins. Well, I mean, Sal Marini awesome. was in the second one. Yeah, that was. Long Halloween with Sal Maroney and Falcone going so, back and forth. So here we go. It looks like uh, it looks like we got a gang war or something, but it's gonna be fun. Adrian Padalecki, uh, did I say that? Palicki. She is Wonder Woman for the brand new uh, Wonder Woman series, and we got our first view of her in costume. You do not like the pants, I think. You don't like the. I mean, you, do you oh, like the costume? Do, do you like the costume, Walton? No, I hate it. You hate it? I I don't mind it. Well, they based it off the new costume and this Wonder Woman. Bicycle shorts? No, no shorts pants. at all. She's got these. She's got these pants that. I mean, it looks like a cosplay costume. It looks like a. It looks like a. Like, you know when the, like when the girls get slutty like... in Halloween, they get slutty and yeah. they want to be. It looks like that oh. without too much skin. The best statement really was from our Eric Diaz, who says. I love the look. I hate the fabric. <laughs> it's like, all right, all right, that's all right. The week, the weekend geeks, Eric Diaz, who also writes Gayscape, said, "I hate, I love the look. I hate the fabric." I was like, oh, okay, I think uh, we got it. He also hated the blue boots. The blue boots is lame. You want those red boots to really balance the top. I know. Now I'm starting to get become a little bit of a fashion guy. Um, it seems like Daredevil, the folks over at Fox don't, don't want to lose that option. They're going to do a bit of a revamp on Daredevil, kind of the approach they're doing with Ghost Rider, where they, or that they did recently with the Hulk, where they don't totally dismiss the first movie, but they kind of re-energize the franchise. I like both the Hulk yeah. movies. Well, David Slade, who did 30 Days a Night and uh, Hard mm. Candy, which I really like Hard yeah, Candy, yeah. is the man that they've put on tap for Daredevil. Nice. We'll see what happens. The first Hulk movie, Ang Lee's Hulk movie, I thought was... Sloppy a bit, uh, uh, trying to overreach. I think the psychology of the character. Well, you know, with Ang Lee, I think you always find that he's trying to make his own statement. He's doing something at least without, yeah. but and it may not fit what mm -hmm. the what the uh, the world of Hulk is set up right. to be. You know, like right he used, he, by, he picks what elements he likes from mm -hmm. that medium, like the comic book wipes and the, you know, the, something like the look of it. But it's still not really a Hulk story, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, but the yeah. second one I thought was—it's more like the comic, popcorny. Yeah, Very and uh, Ed Norton I see more as like a David Banner than mm -hmm. Eric Banner. I love Eric Banner, but I don't—I don't know uh, if he's the one I would choose. I like right. Ed Norton. And, and then we got Mark Ruffalo, who's going to be in the Avengers oh. as, as Bruce Banner. And you know Mark Ruffalo, who's—I I, I remember seeing him for the first time in uh, I love what was him. the movie with Laura Linney as the sister. 
the something art. without you something I, that movie I was like this guy is a talent was he in that movie with uh, 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 he was the the kids are alright he was in that this I know weekend. Like, like, uh, but there was also in that terrible movie where he uh, what's her name he is like haunting 13 going on 30 13 no. going on 30 no. did you not like no, that no, the, uh, is haunted by uh, what's her name Reese Witherspoon Reese Witherspoon uh, is, oh. she dies in the apartment, and he gets the apartment next, and they fall in love, although she's a ghost. And oh, I didn't wa- I'm not watching that movie. Oh, I don't even touch that movie. Hello, what? airplane. <laughs> That's an airplane movie. Yeah, for sure. I watched it for 15 minutes. <laughs> I saw it in the theater. I bought it. Oh, my Did God. Did you really? Why? You like Reese Witherspoon? Were you, trying to impre- were you holding a purse at the point? I picked it. You picked it? Guys, if you have uh, tips for toughening up Walton, let's, let's start a section on the website called Toughening Up Walton. No, don't. Summer, They're going to do that. With summer, with summer coming, Walton, we're going to try and toughen up Walton. He's going to hit Comic Con like uh, like a hot ripped. leather streak. He's going to be ripped. Right. we got to toughen up Walton. No more of this shit because you're the, you're the guy who also saw the... the, the what was the the eating movie? Eat, pray, love. Eat, pray, love. What? Yeah, I know. Please stop. Toughen up, Walton. What is your advice to maybe you guys aren't the right people to ask, but we're gonna give it a shot. Or what do you do to toughen up, Walton? Or you could just put a little note of you know solidarity instead. No, you no, no. Say, hey, toughen up, Walton. Walton. I'm no. there with you. Really? What are you gonna see? Uh, with the Reese Witherspoon ghost movie? If, are you gonna go and see? Uh, did you go and see? Uh, Hugh Jackman and uh, in uh, what is that Leopold Kate and Leopold? Kate and Leopold? Did you see? Kate? You did, didn't you? Holy shit! You did. Did you go see Kate and Leopold? Oh my god, Walton! I like romantic comedies. I do too, but but good those ones. were funny. Probably. Yeah. Kate and Leopold was rather clever. You know what one I liked to make? Uh, Hugh Jackman was very well, charming. Studio, if you heard this, let's reprint the DVD oh. Blu-ray for Kate and Leopold. Kate and Leopold was rather clever. Brian Walton, leave the geekscape off. Yeah, and put that but on the back of that. You know what? What I like with Meg Ryan is French Kiss. You ever see that one? Yeah, with uh, Kevin uh, Klein. Kevin Klein. I don't yeah. like the French. So Fair I enough. Had to stop. Well, I have to like them. They they're all over me. They're all over your country. They're everywhere. <laughs> oh, you and Jerry Lewis. Yeah. God, I love it. We can probably just pretty name lady. It. We can probably just, <laughs> probably just name some of the lamest romantic comedies, and he's just like. Oh, well, you know, I like. I have a. I love. Uh, I really love Four Weddings and a Funeral. I think uh, that's like that's a, the, a brilliant comedy movies. of manners. Yeah. Beautiful. All the working title movies. Yeah, they're all good. Because they're, they're, uh, they're all about people. And uh, yeah. the, even the one with Julia Roberts. Uh, what do you call that? Oh, Notting Hill. Notting, Notting Hill. Hill. It's good. And yeah. I just, and one of my friends is in that too. Uh, Jesus. And Hugh Grant. Yeah. Uh, Hugh Grant, yeah. No, the guy who comes into the bookstore and keeps uh, stealing. Evans? Oh, okay. uh, what's his name? Because he's a comic. He's, he's, how really how well. good of friends are you? He's a guy from Black Books. Yeah, Black Books. Uh, yeah. It's. Uh, I haven't thought of him also, in years. He wasn't Shaun of the Dead, was he? No. He yes, just... he gets his stomach pulled out. Yeah. Uh, with the uh, in I the pub. Oh my saying. God! What Black is... Books is such a good. He plays show. the yeah. he plays like the boyfriend who gets thrown out. In yeah. The pub? Okay. I know who you're talking about, but Shit. don't have a name. It's and a very Irish. He's Irish. He played the the. He does all his comedies like that. So a little bit oh, oh that's a really good impression of it. Yeah. Walton, how are you doing? How are we doing on time? Uh, we got twenty minutes. Cool. Uh-huh. Uh, sad news for you Wolverine fans, but maybe not for your Darren Aronofsky fans. Darren Aronofsky has left the Wolverine movie. People are surprised. Called by the this? Wolverine. They were going to do this Hugh Jackman movie, uh, a kind of revamp, retake on the Wolverine movie franchise. Dude, Darren Aronofsky has a history of just pulling out of things. I, Robocop. I, people are so surprised he pulled out Robocop. He pulled out of that episode of Lost that he swore up and down he wanted to direct. Mm. Uh, Darren Aronofsky, unless it's weird and strange, he's not going to. I'd like through. to see. I'd like to see a weird and strange Wolverine movie. 
I feel like we got a weird and strange Wolverine movie that was very unsatisfying. Which uh, Origins? <laughs> yeah, that was weird and strange for well, a while. I, I love Liv. Uh, is it Liv Schreiber? Yeah, Liv Schreiber. Yeah. I like him. But it's like, yeah. If you take individual pieces of that movie, it's like, oh, this is good. But then when you view the whole context of the movie, you're uh, like, oh my god. Well, there's some beautiful visuals, like when the they. Uh, with the head, they chop the head off of what's his name, and the lasers going around and cutting up the smokestack. Do you remember that? It's oh yeah, 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 yeah. When, when That's they have kind of beautiful. The Baraka Deadpool. Yeah. God, <laughs> silly, silly. I know, silly. but it's, you know, sometimes you just have to let it go silly. for a beautiful. Image. Um, what we got going on here? Oh, can I tell you guys another movie that uh, I saw last night was The Lincoln Lawyer? Yeah. Matthew McConaughey. Have you seen this movie? No, I haven't seen it. It's actually pretty good. Oh, okay. I, I'm serious. Ever it's since Sahara, pretty good. I've, uh, I know you can't watch it, but think. But did you watch the Crazies? No, is it the good? remake of the Crazies? Oh, that's with uh, Timothy Oliphant, isn't yeah. it? Same director. Uh, it's Michael Eisner's son, Breck Eisner. Same director as Sahara, but he made a, the movie The Crazies, which is actually pretty good. Oh yeah, well it's a great concept. And and I'd been hearing good things about Lincoln Lawyer. And it tur- and I was like, okay, the reviews seem okay. And then Fandango came out with the first partnership uh, with a Groupon for in a specific movie. for a specific movie. So on Thursday, you could buy six dollar tickets to the Lincoln Lawyer. Laura wanted to see it because it got Matthew McConaughey in it, yeah. I guess. But um, I was like, okay, for six dollars, you could buy a Groupon for see the Lincoln Lawyer. It turns out that this Groupon de- uh, deal. Accounted for a fourth of their Friday box office. Wow! So it really worked. It got me to go see the movie. Uh, it was shot by this. I'm sitting down. It's shot by Lucas Etlin, the same guy who shot Battle L.A. Oh! It's got Michael Peña in it, who was in Battle L.A. Nice. And the Lincoln Lawyer is about kind of a callous, money first uh, defense attorney who takes on these scumbags and. Doesn't value anything above money Including his uh, ex-wife and kid um, He does all his business at, On the go car. Out of a car uh, With these nasty Kind of gutter relationships And all of a sudden This rich kid Finds himself in trouble Played by um, What's the name of this kid? Uh, Ryan Phillippe And he gets hired To defend him on this Assault case Where he assaulted a hooker And as he finds out Going into this case He's kind of been set up, oh. and he's got to find his way out of this problem that he's got in. The script is smart. Uh, um, Josh Lucas plays the DA hmm. attorney for the case, and I'm watching this movie, waiting for all the pieces to fall apart, and it actually stays tight the entire film. It's got a bit of procedural in it. It's got a bit of murder mystery in it. It's got a bit of, uh, of courtroom drama in it. Um, it's a really well done movie And I found myself surprised Because sometimes movies like this Like like the ones uh, based on John Grisham books <sighs> They just fall apart They're just not any good They're flaccid Yeah And this movie had a good look to it It had a good pace to it And it had some really good smart stuff in it right. I thought it was a satisfying movie If you guys want to see kind of a, a crime mystery uh, With twists and turns I thought that this was actually pretty engaging throughout You know just talking about it Reminds me of one of my favorite movies The Verdict with Paul Newman Mm -hmm. Oh I love that movie And it's just a Yeah he's a guy who's lost Completely done Well yeah It's it's a different world He's He's just like an ambulance chaser And then he finds 
himself pulled into it and it, and, and caring about his uh, his client. And the movie had really good performance. Marissa Tomei, mm. uh, William H Macy's in it. Jeez. Ryan Phillippe is really good in it. Josh Lucas, who I like, I was like, man, I kind of miss Josh Lucas. Where is he? Where Josh Lucas, come back to us. Come back to me, um, Josh. O. And actually, I was into yeah, it. Another movie coming out um, you were you you were talking earlier about reading comics. Mm-hmm. No te gusta, si te gusta. I like comics, and uh, but I, you know I wasn't like a nut. Right. I was more along the uh, role playing game. Yeah, we avenue. talked about that. You liked that. I did enjoy it, but I uh, there's certain ones that I love. I mean, uh, that kind of penetrate my world. Sandman, I really mm-hmm. love. Neil Gaiman, I'm a huge fan. And uh, I don't know. I, you know what? I'd love to see a movie made. Is uh, is it? Sixteen, oh, 1602. 1602. Yeah, when when oh uh, Neil God. Gaiman redid the Marvel Universe. I just think that's fantastic, and you know, and the Daredevil and uh, yeah, and Magneto, and it, it's all kind of Captain America is like a Native American. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, or and and it's all and Thor. They had Thor, Thor in there. Because, yeah, he's a Viking. It's all amazing. It's it's and it's all couched within the uh, the Inquisition. Mm-hmm. Like that's what the their mutants. And right. they're they're kind of victims of this. But it was 1960s Marvel, retold in that whole yeah, uh, new world kind of way. Yeah, I just am a fa- I'm really fascinated with Elizabethan culture mm-hmm. and that kind of period of history, and I just think it's it's fantastic. Um, Marvel has acquired CrossGen, which was like an off like a like an off, like a startup comic book company from the early late 90s early 2000s what where their character Arwen? <coughs> uh, Sigil they had Ruse they had a couple in-house characters and what they would I do I saw like a lot of Ruse comic books yeah there. what they would do is they would take creators and they would put them they would put them up in a in a place in Florida and they would all kind of stay in like this creative hub and create and it, it slowly just started falling apart when the creators started wanting to do different things and sure well, it's like the Brill building Marvel bought it and started just this past two weeks or so re-releasing or mm-hmm. re- releasing new stories about the characters that they acquired. I don't know if they're going to re-release um, the, originals. The, the originals. They have this Sherlock Holmes type book called Ruse written by Mark Wade. Oh, right. Which was so smart and so funny. It, did, it had the artwork of the guy who's currently on Captain America. Who, I mean, the artwork was phenomenal. Hopefully Marvel reprints it. Because the writing was just so tight. Mark Wade's mysteries were, were smart. The dialogue was always snappy and smart. It reminded me a little bit of um, a more dignified version of the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes. You know, a little bit smart, a little How bit coy, dare you, a little sir. bit coy, but dignified, right? Like, like they, they wouldn't sully themselves with brawling because they're too smart for that. They've already got you beat. Uh, the first issue that came out under the new Marvel uh, ownership. The artwork, not totally there, but Mark Way's writing hardly skipped the beat. It was a lot of fun to write. Or to, I didn't write it. You it was a, fun, a lot of fun to read. No, you sat there and copied it. I sat there and I was like, hmm, how to write a comic. Dylan I tr- Moran. I, 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 what was it? Dylan Moran. Dylan Moran. Oh, that's the actor from uh, yeah, the, your he's friend of fantastic. Yours? You should call him right now. I, Dylan, I, Dylan, I apologize. No, I apologize, Dylan, but he is a really talented guy. Like, there's all those guys in Britain I, I knew and I was working over there a lot, like Bill Bailey, mm-hmm. who plays the twins in... Uh, uh, he, hot fries. Well. Oh, yeah, 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 they're the two yeah. together. Yeah. Uh, really funny. Simon came out of that, and all those people. And now, like the Bush guys, I used to work with there too. What happened to me? No, 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 please. What happened to me? You're on Geekscape. Nick Frost was on Geekscape. I mean, we're all equals here. Oh, Don't yeah, you worry about we that. We had Edgar Wright on, and, and 
Yeah, we, we, don't worry. You're still staying afloat. Jeff Love, call him, please. No. I don't want this guy going on suicide. You know what I went to see with my son? Rango. Have you seen that? Yeah. I really liked it. Perfect tw opening 20 minutes. Really? No, didn't you think the opening yeah. was incredible? Oh. Well, it's like, wow, what is this about? Like, it's and, awesome. And it's still engaging, and he's a fun character, and and just the, it was all great. And uh, the homages to, you know, uh, the, what blew me away is the spirit of the West. Yeah. And how much Timmy Tim Oliphant sounded, sounded yeah. like Clint Eastwood. Like, it was... I was like, did they? Yeah, he, yeah, I don't even know if he's trying to. He just is. Like, it's beautiful. And and the character is great. Like, like that opening, the where he's... Oh, the opening with, with Rango acting with the different parts of his tank. Yeah. Is incredible. And that whole sequence on the freeway is amazing. Yeah, everything about it, I really, really liked. I, you know... Uh, it, it's such a, a, it went so far beyond what it had to do to be a children's movie, you know, or like an animated kids mm -hmm. movie. It, it had a lot, and it was still a beautiful story about a, a fun character. Did you and your son see How to Train Your Dragon? Yes, and I think it's Dreamworks amazing. DreamWorks is killing it. Yeah, well, they used to not kill it because right. I think they've kind of learned the what that that's a great book. Yeah. Uh, With Shrek, they actually killed it. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, Monsters and Aliens was Monsters and Aliens came out, and I didn't really I, care I, for I it. I didn't care for it. I, I mean, I think it was okay. There were some moments in it, but it wasn't just like genuine. And I think it comes down to characters. They Once retold again, their story department or yeah. something. And uh, I, they just seem to suddenly realize it's not enough to have computer-generated animated characters. Right. You know, it has to be. You have to push yourself. And and also. Shrek 4, 5, you know, it's, one thing Pixar does is like, I'm not making a second movie until, until we have, we have a one yeah. that's worth making, you know, right. and that's why Cars came comes out eight years, Cars 2 comes out eight years after. And Toy Story 2 and 3, the gap there was, was huge. Huge, and, but it makes sense, and, it, and, it, and it's good. I don't know, uh, but I, you know, I'm really heartened by that. I think it's a great, like, it's so much more creative than what was coming out before. As much as I want to see an incredible sequel... Don't want to don't unless want to you have a great story. But yeah. I, but I totally that, I trust that John Lasseter. Perfect. It's, it's a perfect movie. It's perfect. Incredibles is a perfect movie. But uh, we trust you, John Lasseter. I mean, even with, with Cars One, when people said that they had a little bit of a misstep, still greater than the majority of animated movies out there. I really enjoyed Cars it's One. Genuine. And it's, it's genuine. You like the characters, yeah. and they're sweet, and and it's. What they do is beautiful. Like they, they really imagine everything yeah. that you could possibly come up with. The romanticizing, the romanticizing, it's a, of a the car. romanticizing of the Route sixty six culture. Yeah. In the loss of that culture mm. with the freeway, was so sweet to me. It was the same sentiment as giving your toys up. As yeah. what happens to a hero? As uh, will I ever be a fry cook? You know, oh, will I ever. I mean, yeah. everything they do, bugs being run out. You know, like everything that they do has that sentiment of loss that they're not afraid of putting in their films. No, well, I think you it's know? all about growing the up moment. Yeah, that, yeah, where you take the step from innocence to understanding, and it's capturing that. And then with Toy Story, capturing it three times, like it's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. They're incredible people. It's beyond a hat trick with this. Yeah. <laughs> with, this with this Toy Story stuff. Oh I my mean, God. Beyond a hat trick. Um, guys, if you guys are going to be in San Francisco for WonderCon, I want to let you guys know that the Geekscape booth will be there. Jesus. Um, we're going to have a corner booth at WonderCon. Oh. We have a ton of space. 
you're welcome to come out and hang out with us, Sean. I would love to. It's a big old comic book convention full really? of nerds. Will there be nerds there? There will be so many nerds there, including the nerds that you guys watch every week. Yes. Um, just wanted to let you guys know, WonderCon, San Francisco, also, uh, first weekend of April. Uh, pay attention to the website. We're going to have news up on the site. What are we going to have, Walter? On, on the forums, we might actually, uh, we, we've got some tentative interviews. They may not happen. Okay. But, but we have some tentative interviews. That we might want to see if some Geekscape has have some questions. Okay. Wow. Okay. Mm. okay. All right. WonderCon, tentative, give a crap about the, the audience wants to know. All right. Got it. Got it. No, we value you guys, which is why we go to these conventions, so we can talk to you guys face to face. Last year, San Diego's uh, Geekscape booth was such a rewarding experience having you guys. Many of you, for the first time, getting to meet you guys firsthand was awesome. This is why we do the show. This is why we run the website. Um, if you guys are in San Francisco, or you know what? It's not too late. Make it to San Francisco. First weekend of April. Come to the Geekscape booth. Uh, we're going to have all sorts of stuff for there for you guys. Shirts. We're thinking about doing a new shirt for it. Probably for San Diego. We'll have uh, the artist who's doing the Super Action Man comic will be there. Um, and also the Zombie Con folks yeah. are going to be there. So we're going to be promoting the Zombie Convention that's coming back this October. Zombie Con, i got to tell you, uh, who did we get? Who's, the, who's uh, Tom Savini is going to be here for Zombie Con. You know Tom Savini? He does the makeup for... Friday the 13th, he did Jason. He did all the uh, George Romero movies. He's going to be one of our big guests at ZombieCon. Oh, yeah. He's also an actor. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, uh, what was it, Dust Till Dawn? He had, he had the oh. sex machine. <laughs> he had the dual six shooters in his car. Uh, that would hurt your nuts. Yeah, well, the kickback would well, smack so. your yeah. nuts. He's also up. the leader of the uh, biker gang in Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, Dawn of the Dead. Cool. So he'll he'll be a guest, and I, I know a few other folks who are probably going to be there for uh, for ZombieCon this coming year, and we'll keep showing you guys more and more. I wanted but to ask excited you, about it. Sucker Punch, is it going to be good? <sighs> Sucker Punch. We were talking about Sucker Punch earlier, and I think visually, yes. It looks beautiful. I think internally, the pieces might be a bit hollow. Oh. Did you guys, did you take your son to see Owls of Gahul or see it by yourself, yes. regardless of your son? Did you? The movie looked great, but it, but it, it I don't care. Didn't ha, it didn't care. Well, I, my problem is, um, it's fun. It's really hard to anthropomorphize birds. Hmm. You know what oh, I mean? I thought it was a Rats and Nim? Yeah. A little bit. Uh, I just thought, you know, look at this. Look at the feathers, the droplets on the feathers, and things like that. But it was not keeping me into the right. story. I was more watching it, very on the outside of the story. And that's know. how I felt about Three Hundred. Yeah, um, well, to a degree, watch what about with 300 is I really love that story. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, the you guys have obviously never been kidnapped and brainwashed by a cult. I responded well, I understand, <laughs> but I mean, the, the original story of the you know, the uh, Gates of Fire mm -hmm. and a great book, if you want to read a great book about it, is Stephen Pressfield's Gates of Fire. Do you know Stephen Pressfield? Mm -hmm. He wrote, he's writes, uh, he wrote Bagger Vance. Oh yeah, uh, the, and the, the screenplay for Banger, yeah. Banger. He wrote the the book. He also wrote the screenplay for uh, King Kong Two. Really? Uh, yes, uh, the sequel to the one with Jeff Bridges. Uh -huh. And he also, uh, but he writes these kind of. Uh, he wrote a book about Alexander, like uh, the there Greek some history. Historical yeah. stuff. Yeah, and it's an amazing telling of the, the story. gates of hell. It's called the gates of fire. The gates of fire. And because there was yeah, no hell back in that. Uh, oh, there yeah. was. They, they, well, they, they were polytheistic. They were polytheistic. Hades, yeah. the underworld. So it's great, but uh, I love that story, and I, I hate to see it kind of mutilated. Mm -hmm. And then they go to like Mr. Weird, uh, deformed guy. Why don't you play that guy? 
I would love to. But he would say, <laughs> he's like, you, can you hold a shield? Then you cannot be with us. And then nobody holds a shield. They yeah. all go ape shit, stabbing each yeah. other and everything. And you go like, you're, you're breaking the line. This is not what they did. You're, what is going on? Why? It makes no sense. It's just all for the beauty of the image. You as know? far as Sucker Punch goes, I, I, I worry that it will fall. Yeah. To that same kind of I think it'll be beautiful enough hollow. that it'll bring people in. We'll see. Well, we'll have a review next week for you guys, for and, sure. And, hey, can you go listen to my podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Sean Pod. It's finally up on iTunes. I know. The Sean Pod. Well, the first two episodes I was finding my way. Mm-hmm. Then I think it just got weird, and it's more of what I like to do. You should stop before you do 203 and find yourself enslaved to these guys. I love them. Um, the Sean Pod. And well, tell me a little bit about this podcast, because right now you folks should be going on iTunes Store and looking for the Sean Pod. What, what well, is it? Well, the Sean Pod is really just... I, I used to have a radio show in the CBC in Canada where I'd meander around and say things. Uh, whatever came to mind, and then I would play music, like in the music that mm-hmm. I liked. And uh, so this is kind of just me going, uh, having that kind of meandering uh, point of Stream view, and of I just talk about whatever I want to. But usually, then the last few I've been doing things like just hitting sound effects buttons without knowing what they're going to be, and then try and justify why this stuff is happening to me. So it's kind of like half narrative, half just weirdness. So it's fun. If you like what I do, my meandering weirdness, you might like it. Well, guys, uh, go get his album, honestly. I'm a human man. Also, Sean Cullen Live. Uh, you can find all this stuff at seancullen.com. We are going to be fans of this Sean pod. Uh, we'll definitely help promote it here on Geekscape. Um, so you'll be hearing more of Sean Cullen on Geekscape. Uh, seancullen.com is where you want to visit. And then, of course, later on, your home, away from home, within your home, geekscape.net, where you can, you can also find us on Facebook, YouTube, um, Need to fa- uh, Twitter mm. You can find us there too Just search for Geekscape And of course in two weeks We'll see you guys at WonderCon Sean, awesome coming Good on the see show you again. I love having you back so I soon I love being here <laughs> I love it We'll see you guys next week <laughs>